Hello, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. This is episode 168, and our special guest today is Vivek Yanni. He's a specialist in millennials and Gen Z. So that we're going to talk about all things millennial, how to keep your millennial employees engaged, happy, uh, retain that workforce, and a little bit about dealing with the intergenerational communication and getting along. It's going to be a very interesting episode. Did you know that sometimes these younger people think that we older people are just rude because we're to the point, maybe more direct. So we're going to talk about all things millennial with Viveka Yanni. I would like to remind you that this episode is brought to you by the Practical Guide to Effective Communication where you get recognized for the value you already contribute. And this is the handbook. It's a massive tome, but it's beautifully designed, has a lot of things in there that you can use to be a better communicator and and get that recognition, get that promotion, get that green light. It's got chapters on by use case. So it's about, there's a chapter on building your network. There's a chapter on your communication style and how to understand why other people annoy you with their communication styles on the emotional component. There's a great listening exercise. My favorite listening exercise that I learned in London is in there. So there is just, is a guide. It's not a novel. It's not a beach reading. It's something to put on your desk. And before you have that key meeting or that key email or that key presentation, you check it out and you communicate better. So find it on Amazon, the practical guide to effective communication. And now I will bring to you Vivek. So Vivek, uh, welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho show. We're happy to have you and appreciate your tuning in. Everybody listening, it is 11 o'clock at night where Vivek lives in Singapore. If I were him, I would be super asleep. So he is up (laughs) and looking great to talk to us about millennials, Gen Z, how to keep them and all the, all the things that we should know. So, so tell me, how did you get to be like a millennial guru expert whisperer? Vivek, tell us about your journey. <laughs> yeah, well, a uh, very interesting journey I had. So when I was in university, I was already freelancing with a lot of uh, companies as facilitator as a youth coach um, and I was very interested in the youth space because we used to do a lot of enrichment programs for the youths in schools right so I would work with these teenagers and those who are in their you know uh, maybe in the primary schools uh, on enrichment programs on confidence on you know a team building team bonding leadership and things like that so along the way I realized that you know um, this is the same group that's actually going into the workforce Right. And uh, what I did notice was that there was a different shift in terms of what they see, what they felt was important uh, for them in terms of a career, what they're looking for. So even though they would actually pick up the courses that their parents felt was important, like, you know, becoming the typical uh, doctor, lawyer, engineer kind of uh, thing, they also had plans to do something on their side, right? It was something that they felt was bit more of like a hobby and a calling, right? So that intrigued me. Uh, The second thing I noticed was that, you know, 
uh, parents, uh, when they deal with the teachers, because we, we talk to a lot of teachers, the teachers would say that, you know, it's not like last time anymore. When we discipline the children, the parents actually come to question us, right? So I noticed that these were some small changes that's happening, you know, in the space. And amongst my friends, right, and uh, who were already in entering the workforce, I also started noticing more and more stories of uh, individuals leaving jobs without securing the next job, right? And in shorter and shorter timeframes. So I started to realize that there is a new shift, mm -hmm. right? That's happening in the workplace. And I decided to just Google it. And when I did Google it, what was interesting is that I found a lot of research on the US demographic, mm -hmm. but very little research in the Asian side. And I was like, so is it the same kind of behaviors we have here? And that got me interested to really start interviewing the people on the ground. Mm -hmm. yeah, I asked uh, a lot of the, my millennial friends, like, you know, you, you guys have, you know, done the checklist, right? You've studied hard, you've gone to the right schools, the right universities, right grades, and now you're in the right job. Are you happy? And what I noticed was the trend that a lot of them are going through what we call a quarter life crisis. Oh, yes. I, don't, I did everything I was supposed to do, but I still feel like there's something missing in my life. And I don't know where I'm headed, you know, directionally. So that actually, um, you know, inspired me to write the first book to help them with this key issue on quarter life crisis. And then from there, what, what got the interest of the corporates was that this book actually was written for the university students, but it caught the attention of the managers in corporates. It caught the attention of the media back in 2017. So it really helped me to also look into the corporate side. And that's how I've come to do what I'm doing right now. Okay, so, you know, think of the baby boomers as being shaped by World War II, maybe the Depression. Um, my generation, I feel like we're sh shaped a lot by the 1968 and the hippies and yeah. pill and that, uh, you know, all those changes. So what I guess the Internet is the biggest uh, force shaping the millennials. Are there other cultural or other historical, economic, social movements that have really affected the millennials in a different way? Yeah. Uh, so we have three things. Of course, the technology is one of it. Uh, we have the social side of things. So uh, we do notice that a lot of the younger generation tend to be a little bit more um, affected by feedback, right? They can't really handle feedback and, uh, you know, especially harsh criticism. And we do think that it is because that a lot of the younger generation grew up with uh, parents, the baby boomers, who were a lot more like, you know, a lot more friendlier than how mm -hmm. their parents treated them. Right? Well, so not my kids, but other people's. <laughs> In general, yes. But my, yeah. my, my, kid, my kids definitely, were, they had the mean mom. So, yeah. Yeah. So, what we did notice is that, you know, that like the, the, the whole idea of parenting kind of shifted for the baby boomers because for baby boomers, their parents were like uh, from the world war, mm -hmm. world war kind of a time. And what we then uh, see is that they didn't want to do parenting in that same style. So they actually shifted that. And that's what we have come to term as helicopter parenting, which is we really pave the path for them instead of letting them pave their own path, mm -hmm. right? And hold them. So that parenting style, uh, the introduction of, you know, school guidance counselors, mentors, really people who are there to always assist them has kind of given them the kind of perception that, you know, all these adult figures are here to help me to succeed. 
And that's why we notice this uh, happening uh, quite a fair bit. Yeah. Oh, that is so interesting. That that explains a lot. And it explains a lot in my work when people come to me and say, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help. We'll say Vivek to uh, to do his job better. And he's getting so offended. And I'm just telling him, you know, what I'm seeing. I'm trying to help him. But he's like crying because he says I'm too harsh. So that, is that something that that's something that I yeah. see? It's a, that's, that's something that, yeah, that's the kind of feedback I also get from, uh, you know, people who say, you know, they, they want to do well, but they can't handle the feedback that they need to incorporate in order for them to do well, right? Another thing we do notice that on top of the social, we also have the financial side of things, which also kind of impacted their mindset. So we know that the, the big two recessions, right, that happened mm -hmm. in 1998 and in 2008 also made them realize that, you know, um, loyalty to the company isn't the only thing. They've seen their parents be loyal, right, for over 20 years. And still be like, you know, right size and let go and retrenched. And that kind of really made them feel like, you know, hey, maybe, maybe there's another way around this, right? Maybe I should be looking into how I can grow and how I can be focused on my career journey instead of uh, just leaving it to the company to decide things for me, right? So that has also shaped a lot of their desire for, you know, growth, their desire for how they want to you know, move ahead in their career as well. So we do notice that these trends really shaped their mindset in terms of what kind of things that they want uh, from a corporate you know, employer point of view. So you, is it a generalization to say that millennials just want gentler feedback? Is that, would that be, I mean, like, what do you suggest? You're yeah. the expert, tell us, <laughs> what do they want? <laughs> just... So what we did notice is that there was this psychological um, study that was done where they went to companies and they asked uh, the companies, hey, uh, show us uh, the really good managers who have a lot of good rating from the millennials in your team. Oh, team. great. And yes. show us the managers that are not as popular uh, you know, amongst the millennials in their team. And let's see what are the differences. So when we actually got to you know, look into them, have a focus group discussion, and we asked them, what do you think about millennials? Interestingly, both the good and the bad managers had the same opinion. Yes, they are a little entitled. They are a little bit of, uh, you know, demanding, quite vocal. So they, they had the same kind of opinions about this group. Mm -hmm. But then, then the question became, why is it that this group of managers are so well perceived, whereas the other group of managers are not as well perceived? Right. So that, then it became clear is that the way that this group of managers, the really good ones, have realized is that, you know, I can't uh, rely on the old styles of management anymore. I have to be constantly learning from them instead of thinking they have to learn from me, right? So they had that learning mindset. They were like, okay, I know I need to really inspire you. So how do I go about doing that? How do I go about understanding your point of view, right? So they really took leadership into their uh, hands and they decided, you know, if I need to really look into changing my leadership style, I'm going to try and do that, right? And they were a lot more open. They kind of really listened in and leaned into what the younger generation wanted and they adapted according to that. Whereas the other group, the ones that were not so popular had a very fixated, fixed mindset. They're like, do what I tell you. I have more experience than you. I have uh, higher rank than you. And that those are the kind of things that didn't really gel well. And mm -hmm. they had a lot of 
direction in terms of communication and and uh, leading their team. Oh my goodness. Well, that's good to know because I know that the people listening to this podcast are actually the ones interested in being communicating better, listening better, they're they're more empathetic. So I know all of you listening, you're in the good team. You're the team of the ones that the the millennials and other people want to work for. Uh that it, it and it's interesting. I think the listening skills, the, uh, the being is a is a balance, right? You want you have to hold people accountable, but mm. they also want to have a voice. They want to be seen. They want to be seen and valued and appreciated. And they also need to do the work, right? It's just that, that finding that middle path, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So are there any misconceptions about millennials? Like, are they snowflakes? Are they weak? Or, you know, or are there other misconceptions? What do they bring to the table? Right. I think the millennials have a lot of things to bring to the table. Um, one of the misconceptions people have is that all young people are millennials. That's not true. <laughs> we oh, have okay, the- good. Well, so so it's millennials are like 25 to 40. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right so now? they have already been i think a lot of them have already entered the workforce even the youngest ones have entered the workforce and now we are seeing the gen z's mm-hmm. uh, entering the workforce and the gen z's are like 24 and below okay right? so so we do notice that a lot of people just tend to say hey all of you young people are you know they just uh kind of generalize all of them to be millennials because millennials has become like the go-to term for all young people they right right without really thinking that this is uh there's a difference uh you know within the generation as well Another thing is that these young people, when they come into the workplace, they bring in a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy. They believe that, you know, they can really make a difference. They want to make a difference and mm-hmm. really help the organization. They come in with a lot of high spirits, like how we all are when we are younger. Yes, right? way back. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> and and what happens is that they when they face these kind of obstacles, like, for example, they find that they have their manager is not as supportive, not as positive, and they don't want to listen to the kind of ideas they have to contribute, then they kind of kind of tend to settle in, in that sense, and not want to give more. And they start to disengage. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, we feel like that creativity is lost, that difference, uh, different ways of looking at the same problem is kind of uh, kind of lost because when, when you don't uh, value someone's opinions, they stop giving opinions at the end of the day, right? So right. they bring a lot of these kind of new ideas and creativity. That's their key strength at that point in time because they don't have that kind of experience. But what they do have is, uh, you know, really trying uh, to be able to look into lean into technology and look into different ways of doing the same thing and innovation really comes out of having these kind of ideas and I think that ideas when it's listened to it will help so just to share a story right even before the pandemic I was doing a focus group discussion with this uh, employee resource group in this um, uh, organization it's a design uh, organization they had a group and we had a lot of millennials in that group and they were saying can we try out like how the other tech companies are trying out a four-day work week right okay. this is back in 2019 even before the pandemic and and everyone was really excited about it and then there was just this one leader who was i think probably gen x who said you know guys it's a really good idea but I don't think you realize what you're talking about. I've got friends in those companies who say that the four-day work is, is 
horrible because now you have a 40-day uh, work week over spread across uh, five days, which is eight hours a day. Now, if you're going to make it four days, it's just going to be 10 hours. It's going to be even more stressful. It's not as fun as you may think it is. So okay. that was like a wet blanket. Right, <laughs> right. That he well. just threw all over. And and it's funny because then after that, they didn't even approach that conversation. They, they just decided to just drop the entire idea because one person felt like, you know, it's a bad thing. But look at what we have today. We are looking at a lot of organizations actually adopting the four-day work week, saying Correct. that it's actually better for your mental health. It's not as stressful. And you get to, you know, experience that. So that's the experimental mindset that we think is required of leaders to really see it as not as very black and white, 40 hours divided by four days, it's 10 hours, more stress. And really think of how does that one day of a break really give you the kind of energy that you want, right? So it's not about the number of hours, but it's a lot about the kind of work that you get done, uh, you know, within that period of time because you can sit in the office all day and do nothing correct right? and, people and have been doing it ever since <laughs> the first office was created yeah exactly so so millennials want to be a lot more efficient effective and if having breaks in between the day can allow me to be more productive why isn't that an option right if you want me to work from home why isn't it an option for me to also take breaks during office hours as well right so these are the kind of questions that they bring to the table which uh, really requires a leader to maybe let go of um, you know the kind of principles they have rooted in the past so that they can move towards things that will al allow them to adapt uh, to in the future right so so yeah these are some of the things that i feel uh, the millennials can bring to the table. That's yeah, that the fresh eyes is so valuable when and that that's why you know coaches are so helpful. Mm -hmm. A little plug because we have fresh eyes and we're not beat down by the situation. We're beat down by other situations, but not the one <laughs> that you're in. And yeah. and then fresh eyes can add so much value. And I want to mention uh yeah, it's, it's so it's interesting that you're Focus group was discussing that in 2017. Also in 2018, I was noticing uh, that attention spans were, mm. you know, going down and our not just our attention spans, but our ways of receiving information are being so shaped by the internet. And then after the lockdown is a mm. radical change. And I think it's the millennials leading, but everybody has has seen we have proven that actually we were more productive working from <laughs> home and yet the companies i think they're settling they they started off trying for 3 days i think now mm -hmm. the they're settling for 2 days a week as uh, <laughs> a, a, a yeah. way to, to move forward but i want to mention to you listening uh, Vivek's example is something that i hear you know often well i pitched this idea and it was shot down Okay, mm. go. <laughs> you, that means you didn't prepare enough. You need to come back. Like, expect yeah. your idea to be shot down. That's what you yeah. prepare. You think, what are? How are they going to try to shoot this down? And you try. You try to address those objections when you're pitching it uh, before the Q and A. But remember, just because somebody says your idea is a bad one doesn't mean they're right. So mm. uh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, no one has a principle. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the people who really get resourceful in defending their ideas. And, you know, look at us now. There are a lot of people working uh, four-day 
weeks. And actually the hospitals have had that in place since forever. They've had three twelves, four tens. I mean, there's a lot of uh, people in the medical industry who've been doing that for decades. So it's not that like crazy idea. So what would you tell, what, what, what are you seeing about the Gen Z, you know, the younger? I have two kids that are millennials in their 20s and one and a stepdaughter who are 24 and 22. So what's the, what, do you, what is the difference between the younger millennials and the Gen Zs? Right. So the Gen Zs are truly the ones that actually grew up um, without realizing that, you know, phones had wires. They really grew up. <laughs> <laughs> with the smartphones and technology was already pretty 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 established by that time so for them they've always lived in a dual reality dual reality being one being virtual mm-hmm. which is where i connect with you uh, online and also uh, the offline space but they are so so focused on the online space compared to millennials millennials what's interesting is the older older millennials the geriatric millennials or what we call the xenials right the 1979 to 1984 which is a small generation there that really experienced the analog childhood uh, and then they moved on to the digital as well oh, interesting okay yeah so for them they they kind of know the difference between this world and that world but the younger Gen Zs, they don't really even know what it used to be like, right? So mm-hmm. for them, the intranet is a misspelled internet, right? They don't really understand the differences. The fax machine is not something that they have really come across on a regular basis. They don't even know what a pager is, right? So these are some of the things that you can see from the Gen Zs they don't understand. But what's really interesting is the kind of social behaviors that has kind of influenced the Gen Zs and the younger millennials as well is Number one, um, like I mentioned, quarter life crisis. The mm-hmm. second thing you notice is that dating, right? Today, uh, dating is um, no longer going to the pub and meeting new people, but it's also going on these uh, social dating apps and then swiping left and swiping right and then meeting these people. What happens is if you go on the date and you don't like the person, they don't actually have a conversation about it. They just ghost you. And ghosting is a very millennial and Gen Z behavior, specifically Gen Z, because they don't like to have that kind of difficult conversations uh, with the person. Because you, I just met you once, right? I don't really need to explain anything. I didn't like you, I, but I don't want to tell that to you in the face. Right. So I just ghost you. And it's so easy because I can just block you on all these platforms. And you don't <laughs> right. talk to me anymore. That's that's one very specific behavior we are seeing. Another thing we are noticing as well is what we call the blue tick anxiety. So, you know, on WhatsApp, you get when, when you send a message and you see blue tick, it means the person has two blue right. ticks, the person has read it. Right. Now, what happens is when they actually send that message and you have read it and you haven't responded and you and they're expecting some kind of a immediate response and you haven't read it, right? Uh, you haven't responded to it, then they start to get anxiety over. Why hasn't this person responded? Was my message worded wrongly? Should I have said it differently? And then what you notice is sometimes they delete that message and then they rewrite the entire thing in a different way because they start overthinking things. The person might have just been busy to respond, but because you have blue ticked them and you haven't responded, they actually go through anxiety. So what I'm coming to say with this is that, you know, technology creates anxiety for the older generations, Mm -hmm. whereas 
social interactions tend to be creating anxiety for the younger generations because especially the gen z's because they spend more time with technology and lesser time in person face to face understanding yes. those like, micro expressions body language and these social skills these human skills they don't have that enough kind of uh, practice with those kind of things because if if someone gets a call or gets a, a chat in the middle of a, a you know meal that you're having in in middle of a conversation when they flip out their phone you also flip out your phone right you right. all go to the technology well not in my table i would give you a super dirty look <laughs> and stare yeah, at you until you put it then. away <laughs> yeah exactly so that social interactions how do you deal with awkwardness how do you meet somebody and you know hold a conversation with them how do you have small talk right how do you know whether you offended somebody or not uh, just by their facial expressions these are the kind of uh, small small social skills that i feel the younger generation tend to be missing out on because they totally they are so... i've had to coach young people on having a birthday dinner no lie you know i'm so i want to <laughs> have my friends over but i'm so nervous it's going to be so awkward so yeah. anybody listening that feels that social anxiety i have a list of 55 conversation starters that you can use. And there's different ways you can use that. So email me if you want those. But he is, Vivek is absolutely on point. It is that awkwardness. And we have to be more conscious about crafting the experience because it, it's not just you, it's other people. And I think these, you know, having conversations starters, these questions that people answer is just a great way to break the ice and to get people, uh, you know, talking yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, you're missing so much when you're done, yeah. when you can't have a conversation face to face, there's just, yes, digital is great, but it's not the same as being able to touch somebody on the arm or, you know, laugh or I don't know. It's, it's yeah. interesting. There's a trade-off there, right? In the there ease with technology. Yeah. Yes. Oh my and we, we, we feel it, right? We feel it. The difference between virtual events and live events that energy that in-person mm -hmm. aspect of things is is really huge the trade-off is huge yes it is so what of all this work that you've done which is considerable what are you most proud of Vivek? is it your book is it your workshops it, uh focus groups like what what would you say of your young self your body of work what are you super proud of well, I think what I really like about the work I do is the fact that we we get to see things from a different perspective, right? So a lot of people never thought of this as like I have a if someone has a conflict with a older worker, they never really think of it as this is a generational conflict, right? Oh, it's okay. A generational issue, right? But when they kind of put that in in perspective, that is this a difference in terms of the way I think and why I operate versus the way you think and you operate. And then they start to look to how do we now bring this together? Having those kind of facilitated conversations where we have the older generations and the younger generations in the same room asking each other questions, that really helps to bring them closer together as a team. I've seen that energy transfer take place because they, there's usually some tension. There's usually like, I don't understand why you do it this way when I clearly know that this is the better way. That's the, that's the way they come in. And then they go out like, oh, now I understand why you behave this way and that way. And that 
that understanding, that feeling that they get when they have these question and answers uh, clarified for them, that has been a, is a cathartic process, right? For yes. them. And I feel this and I, I, I really enjoy that because I that's where people feel like, you know, I now know how to deal with them a lot better. And what's great about it is when we have multi-generational collaboration, the tacit knowledge that the older generation have is transferred over to the younger generation, which should always be there, right? But when we don't try to bring these generations together, we actually lose out on a lot of value. Even the older generation lose out on a lot of value that the younger generation can provide. Right. Why initiatives like reverse mentoring is there because it's it, the whole idea is to bring generations together to interact more on a common common topic so that they can you know learn from one another because we have to we have to admit the generational gap has been widened because of technology and all these other factors and that's why millennials you know it really came out a lot in the media so what we have to now look into is how do we foster intergenerational collaboration and reduce that gap again so that we don't notice this because what I see is uh, examples of like, I was at a panel discussion the other day and uh, there's this chef who has a team of young millennials and she was asked this question. So would you hire the older generation in your team? Like, would mm-hmm. you want to do that? And it's like, mm, I don't think so because it's so hard for me to explain stuff to them, uh, you know, in a simple and easy manner, right? For, for wow. the young they quickly get it. For the older generation, they don't. So I don't think it would be the best idea because now I have to like really, uh, you know, kind of slow it down and, you know, step it up in a way to explain so that they get it when it comes to certain certain key things, right? So, that shouldn't happen, but we are seeing it is happening around the world, especially in startups. We see a lot of startups. Why aren't the older generations as involved in these? Right, they're not being startups? leveraged. Right. right. Why are they not being leveraged? Do they feel like they don't fit in, or is it that the younger people don't want to bring these people into their companies? What is it? Is it a competency gap, or is it a bias? That's right. Taking- Right? fascinating so, that. Yeah. so what is it though is it a bias or is it a skills gap or learning i do gap? believe that it is a bias uh, that we are seeing right so the younger generation may have a bias that you know oh yeah older generation may not be as savvy in technology may not be accustomed to the kind of culture where we are so informal with one another there's no hierarchy and things like that but that's a bias right that's a bias because you can't apply that to every single person and right. if you do that you are also assuming that the person is not willing to change and we should never do that about we should never put that kind of a uh, kind of image on anybody that this person is not willing to change if they are willing to change if they are willing to adapt and mm-hmm. that is one of the best things that we have as a human characteristic is our ability to adapt to different kinds of situations so uh, what we need to do is to really get people to really have those conversations and reduce that gap so that, you know, we can reduce the bias. We cannot eliminate it, but at least reduce the bias. Right. I mean, right. bias is just a shortcut. And maybe you've had a bad experience with somebody older. So you project that onto others and vice versa. I mean, bias is never going to go away. So I have mm. a question. Do you have children? I know. Yes, I have a, I have a young daughter. Are you restricting her access to technology? She's only five months, but yeah. Oh, (laughs) what? You haven't bought her a laptop? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's your plan? uh, What's your plan with uh, the technology? 
Yeah, so with, with her, definitely it has to be curated and controlled uh, to a certain manner so that, because she, as, as an infant, I already noticed that she's very attracted to the screen. She's very mm -hmm. attracted to the brightness of the screens. And, you know, uh, we, she also sees a lot of people on these devices, myself included. So it, it, is, it is a conscious decision that, like, if I'm trying to get her to sleep, you know, no devices in the bedroom, right? So that she also sees that as a norm, right? It has to be, it, it has to be like a habit that we put into place to reinforce uh, the, to ensure that she doesn't get too attached to these devices, especially because a lot of the young parents I see at restaurants, uh, the way they kind of get their child to keep quiet and, and keep calm is to put that phone in front of them and- Drives me bananas. Yes, I know. Like, give him yeah. some crayons. Give him some paper. <laughs> give him a book. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, and interesting because today I just had this conversation with another friend who was saying that, you know, uh, when they went to the grandparents' side, the grandparents were like, oh, just let him watch a little bit of TV, let him adapt to the time zone difference because they flew over to their grandparents' oh. place. And when they flew back, right and they stopped giving him the tv actually the, the child didn't make a fuss he was like oh yeah this is normal this is what yeah. i always do right they didn't ask for the tv and the shows and stuff like that so it is possible for us to condition them in a way that they see that you know crayons and all these other analog activities as one of the better ways to engage with their time yes good so Keep those screens away from your kids, everybody. This uh, at least limited, especially the young ones. All right, we're getting to an end of our time, and this is so interesting. It's so important, you know, the intergenerational and to, and to see that a problem you may have with a co co colleague or a team member or somebody who reports to you. Uh, it may be a generational aspect. It's certainly you know best not to see it as a personal. I'm going to ask you one more work question and then I want to get to know a little bit about Vivek the person but when you were talking about the intergenerational issues a lot of times I have coached people in their 30s so they're millennials who are leading you know a team and they have people in their 40s maybe 50 on their team and they feel that you know just a little awkward about that so what advice do you have and and some people listening a lot of people listening to this maybe in that situation you know you're in your 30s and you're you know director senior manager some you know senior mm. program manager but you've got some you know seasoned individuals on your team are there yeah. what what, are, what is your advice for them yeah, absolutely. And I, I call this what we, uh, I, I give it a term. I, I said you have to really step up as the 5G leader, the fifth generation leader. And uh, why I say that is because we are in a very unique space where not all the people we, under your team are younger than you. Now you also have people who are senior to you in your team right. as well. And so you really have to understand the generational nuances, which is what are the things that they've been used to while they have, uh, you know, been while they were in the workforce, what are the things that motivates them, what really uh, inspires them and engages them, what are their communication styles. These are some of the things that they really need to get into. And one thing that I really emphasize for, especially for millennials uh, who are leaders is to, to exercise patience with the older generation. Of the 
right? Because it is so evident that you know a lot of the younger ones tend to be impatient when they're trying to explain technology, right? Mm-hmm. And we see this because for them it is kind of intuitive in a way, but it may not be as intuitive. They they skip a few steps. Right, uh, because they kind of are re- very. It seems uh, obvious to them, yeah, like obviously. Obvious. But it may not be as obvious to the other person. So having that, that you know, putting that person, putting yourself in that person's shoes and being really patient is very, very important for you to be able to even uh, like one another, right, and mm-hmm. to be able to work together effectively. The second thing that I, I always say that if you want to really influence and to be able to inspire these people within your team, you should begin uh, with the end in mind. You should know how to extract their strengths, not just focus on the weaknesses that they bring, but really focus on how can I, you know, capitalize on the strengths that they bring, right? So every generation has different strengths and that's what makes it an all-rounded, highly productive team. So how can I leverage? What are those strengths that this generation and these people can bring in that I cannot fulfill with the other people within my team? And really match match those strengths to other people's weaknesses and so that we are all fully covered in a 360 uh, way, right? So that's one of the ways to really make the best out of this. Uh, I love that. Yes. Be patient. Well, that's the hardest thing ever, but we all need to be more patient. And yeah, I think as the leader, if, and you know, sometimes people come to me and they want to be, I want to tell me how I, what I need to do to be inspirational. Well, to inspire your team, you need to focus on them, right. And growing them and showing and really looking for those opportunities to shine, to, to lean into their strengths and, and to get everybody together to align behind a common purpose. That is so inspirational. Uh, So before we close and with, you know, how to connect with you, I want to ask you some interesting to me questions. Uh, Where did you go on your last vacation? Um, I was in Dubai. How was it? Oh, it was nice. It was nice. I I went uh, even before the the so-called pandemic uh, died down, right? Mm -hmm. So we went uh, in November last year um, uh, and we spent uh, about uh, about three weeks there in, in Dubai and then we went on to India after that and uh, spent quite some time there as well. Well that sounds very exotic. What is your favorite dessert? Oh um, there's this thing called the mango sticky rice uh, which is uh, from Thailand and I love the mango sticky rice because uh, it's got mango and it's got coconut uh, poured onto the rice and they put the mango on top so it's a very Oh nice my dish. gosh you're making me hungry mango <laughs> sticky <laughs> rice yeah, I'm going to look for that so what is your favorite store Uh you mean in terms of like shopping Yep Uh okay uh, there's this uh, store called uh, Decathlon. I don't know if you've heard of it. Right? Uh, it's, it's a it's a sport sporting store, and you have all these kinds of uh, different kinds of sports related um, related uh, equipment and stuff. But like basketball really- and s- yeah, cricket, everything. or uh, what's really interesting is that in that store they not only have this equipment, but they also have places for you to actually play those sports. With oh, those wow. kind of equipment. Yeah. So you you not only purchase things, but you also get uh in-house experience of you know you can cycle around, <laughs> right? The store that is so cool. Yeah. So it's called Decathlon. Decathlon, yeah. Decathlon. 
Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I have to look that up. So what kind of movie, like genre, is your favorite? Uh, I like, uh, you know, mystery, right? Mm-hmm. So anything Sherlock Holmesy kind of, uh, yeah, that really keeps me. Did, you must have loved that uh, that that little the modern Sherlock that the beat that yeah. the put out. That was really cool. Yeah how, yeah, yeah. how would you describe your personal style? Um. Well. Um. What What do you mean by personal style? Like fashion or personality? Or personality? You You pick. Okay. Yeah, I like to. I like to question things. I always like to question things, but I was very meek about it in my childhood. But now I realize that not everyone knows the answers. And sometimes the answers we know are not really the answers we should be satisfied with. So really questioning everything that I know and being willing to learn from people. And I love being challenged so that, you know, we can explore something newer together. So I think that kind of love it. So when you were a child, what is something you were afraid of? Um, speaking to people, I was really afraid of uh, having different kinds of conversations with people um, and um, not being liked. That okay. was what, yeah, yeah. Well, I, it seems like you're extremely likable and easy <laughs> to talk to. Now you're an expert. So you definitely conquered that. So this has been so interesting. I'm, I'm sure our audience that you're seeing that the different generations are affected. They grow, they enter the world at a different place and with different mm-hmm. things going on and all these forces far beyond anyone's control, just shape the way that you filter, you perceive the world and the younger people are more, uh, they're more, their experience of reality is more mediated by technology, which brings some strengths, but also brings a lot of liability. So (laughs) Vivek, how can people in our audience connect with you and find your book? Yeah, so um, definitely you can connect with me on LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think you can find the link in the show notes as well. Yes. Uh, right, and um, my website is www.vivekiani.com. So you can, um, you know, if you are interested to learn more about the book, I'll leave all the links on how you can get it on Amazon and all the other sites all compiled in that one link over there, right, in my website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for staying up so late. And um, I appreciate it. It's great hearing about Gen Z and the millennials and how we can just get along better, understand each other, really, where, where we're coming from and understanding, you know, the, the different mindsets, the way we perceive things is just can be a little bit different. It was a pleasure talking to you. It was a pleasure being here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye bye.